Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? It is your good friend, Rapasparza. We are back here at Heel Section to review WrestleMania 36-ish. That's kind of how we're branding it. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen you last. A lot has happened. We're very sorry that there's not as much wrestling. But you know what? Now, according to ESPN, wrestling is a sport. So thus, we, by proxy of transitive property, I believe, from high school, we are an essential podcast. So as a result, I am happy to be back here, and I am happy to be talking with my good friend, one Mr. Mike Stallings. Mike, how you doing? Whoa, hey, you are wearing a mask, <laughs> Hi, Rev. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I got to stick to protocol, podcast protocol in this uh, social distancing environment. I don't know if Skype has a social distancing setting, but I mean, this is as good as we can get. I mean, to be fair, you, you live like a state away from me. Well, I mean, does that make it more credible now that we've, we've been doing it before? I mean, we, we were, were ahead doing of the curve. it before. It was cool. What a hipster approach yeah, to all of the absolutely. Rona. Right. I mean, we can get, I mean, I can only get more legit. That legitimized us. I mean, I don't have a legit banner or anything, but I, I'm kind of trying to play my part. Well, I mean, I, I have my banner. I always bring my banner. Did you bring a banner? It looks like you have something I, in your hand. I did. I mean, it's just as professional as it gets. It it's pretty good. It's kind of, kind of ex no, it explains kind of our vibe. I would say more or less. Sure. It's just kind of where. Listen, I just need you to appreciate effort. I I'm trying for once. I I well, I don't want to rain on your parade because this is the moment I should tell you, and you can't see this on your side, but underneath you, I have for the first time added an at real hill section. So it's kind of like we're doing <laughs> a redundancy that we didn't really plan out ahead. This is a rough draft. This is a rough draft. Okay. Well, speaking of rough draft, WrestleMania rough draft was one of the best I think I could have seen under all of the circumstances. Let's bring into this whole scenario the context of the situation. The context of the situation was this. I'll tell you this. I was supposed to be doing an event out in Florida. For WrestleMania 36. I was supposed to be uh, doing commentary for a grappling event, and I got the thought because I said, uh-oh, if I'm there on the 4th, that means on the 5th, I can go to WrestleMania. So I started talking to a couple of the guys. The guys were like, dude, we should go. And I was like, yeah, let's get some fucking cheap-ass seats and go. I don't think I can take the time off, but I'll do it just because I love WrestleMania, and I would love to go to that. And lo and behold, when somebody like the, the owner of the organization was like, hey, man, when are you booking your flights? I was like, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? He's like, book it now. And I was like, bro, are you reading anything about this coronavirus? And I swear to God, dude, they went until the last second before they were like, ah, fine, fuck, Rona got us. But they kept trying to press forward and pull what, you know, the Donald Trumps of the world were doing, which is, Rona can't stop us. Nothing can stop us. We're going to live forever. Oh, shit, we're done. The jiu-jitsu tournament? I mean, they held out longer or as long as Vince did? Not as long as nobody held out as long as Vince did. He's still holding out. He might be the world. He might be just hold. That's his nickname now. He's just a holdout. So that was my connection to it. My question to you is, were you getting a sense or when did you get a sense that WrestleMania as we knew it was going to change? 
So I have um, a guy that goes basically religious. He's friends with Shayna. He's like really, really good friends with Shayna. And he was, you know, he wanted to go see her moment live because he's been with her all these years. And when I called him on the phone and to hear him yell at me about why he couldn't, I mean, he was, I could hear him pull his hair out of his head because he really wanted to go, but he's in, he's in the top 20% of the people that could get affected by this raft. There's no way that I'm going to get on a plane with people that are going to try to get the youngsters that don't give a fuck. They're Daytoning, spring breaking. They're going to, when he, when I felt his emotion and how serious he was, and when he started breaking it down by the percent, I said, yeah, this is, if this mindset is, you know, the, is the, the typical mindset to go in, then it's going to, it's going to fall like a dominoes quickly. And that's what fucking happened. But we live in a weird time where people kind of don't want to accept it. Like you said, like your jujitsu manager, you're just like, nah, well, we got this. There was a weird part where I think people cross their streams where I know there's an element of isolation and a lot of us feel like uh, we want to be able to do something, but it's not quite like September 11th. Like there's a unity that's there where we're all experiencing the same thing. That's a terrible thing. But yet the cross streams are like everybody's treating the virus uh, in a way that's like a terrorist where it's like, they're coming for us, let's get them. And it's like, well, you're not going to enlist unless you're a doctor. And if you want to enlist to help us with this, please do. But that doesn't mean like you're just going to like shoot a gun at the coronavirus and it goes away. It's not quite the same. No, going to a park is basically the, the on the same level as, you know, taking out the enemy at this point, just yeah. showing up. I love how everybody's training for a marathon all of a sudden. <laughs> Well, it's all that we can do. It's all that we have left. And even then, they're like, did you know that corona can spread in the air? It's coming after you right now. And you're like, ah, like it's a John Carpenter movie at this point. So it is very terrifying. Um, But in our perspective, it's a giant event. And everybody was canceling it left and right, except for Vince, who was really, really towing the line up until Florida was like, bro, don't make us make you look bad. I think when Roman pulled out, that, that that's when he started really... I mean, that was the only thing. He's been trying to get him over, and if he dictates everything, the minute he sat down, because he's the most compromised person that possible in the in the company, so why wouldn't he take it seriously if his top star is going to be like, yeah, I'm... I, and what did the Miz? Why did the Miz pull out? Just because he, <laughs> I mean, he didn't want. It. <laughs> you know, it's so funny, like how things happen in real life that cross over. Where you're thinking, like, of course it's the fucking Miz that has something wrong with him. You know, like when they leaked it out, part of me thought, like, did they just leak out, like, just tell him it's the Miz, and then remind them to write and watch Miz and Misses in like a week on USA Network, please. <laughs> Don't want to compromise his clip show. Come on, man! Like, isn't he hosting a game show? <laughs> like, Is he? I, he's I more don't remember anymore. <clears throat> he's more worried about that. He's definitely more worried about that than he is, because he even said the comment of he's the first person to win the tag team titles off of his couch, which is a smart play, kayfabe. But like, we didn't appreciate that at all. Not the like, time. Whatsoever. Read the room, Miz. I almost think they should have like the floor is lava match at that point where they should just be, they should just, 
be jumping around on guardrails and couches at that point. I jumped to somebody. I think it was maybe it was to you, but I definitely said they should have a first man standing match. Once I heard they were doing a boneyard match, <clears throat> and then I started to see like people do those jokes. I mean, I'm just glad to be out in, uh, ahead of it and have a timestamp that shows I got there first. But let's talk a little bit about this. So that's the context of it. Then we start to hear some things. We hear that it's going to be broken up into two nights. Gun to head, what was your first reaction when you said, oh, now not only are they doing it at the Performance Center, but they're going to make it a two-night ordeal? I think it was a relief, actually. I mean, you see how good Wrestle Kingdom works with two nights. Not to, that it's going to be on that level of of a spectacle, but I mean, we don't want to sit through a seven and a half hour show. I mean, we are sitting at home for, tw- I mean, it would distract us, but we'd almost get like double annoyed that we'd have to put up with a seven hour show that would have dragged through with the weirdness of no audience. I don't know. And then I don't know if, um, not to get, you know, to step over too quickly, if Boneyard versus the, um, Firefly Funhouse match would have, I think they needed to have those two things on separate nights just to have it, have them be their own separate thing. If they were to run into each other, I don't think it would have been as special. No. And I, we're obviously going to get to the matches in a minute. Um, we're, we're setting everything up, setting it up, setting it up, setting it up. I just felt when I heard that they were going to two nights, I immediately said, oh, oh okay, this is how they're going to stick us. Like, now they know we can't go anywhere. They know that we might as well give up that we're basically it's either this or onward so pick your poison everybody i I think i was the other side of it i think i was the only one going into it being positive about it everybody's like i'm not gonna i'm not watching wrestlemania this year i was like why this is gonna be the most special i got all emotional about it this is you're gonna always remember what all the cliche shit that i'm supposed to say Mm -hmm. but it was gonna be the most i was i went in positively but then when the no crowd kind of hit and saw what they had to work around, it was it was it was interesting. But I, I was right. We're always going to remember this one for. His, I'm a little afraid though we might not if this happens next year. I think uh, I think the the novelty of it will be diminished. Well, people sure. were already hitting me up and saying like, "Are you going to WrestleMania next year?" Because it's in LA, and I was like, "Um, if we can." Yeah, like we we don't know where we're at. It seems like we're going to get it back to normal, and that's good. But something as huge as an we're, event like that is not the norm right now. We're never getting back to normal. You think that – I love how people think when this ends, we're just going to go outside and everything's going to be the same. I, handshakes are dead. Like Ring of Honor, they need a new gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> the elbow dap of honor <laughs> like where do they go that was a big thing like there's no social protocol is is done like are they gonna have all the all the chairs six feet apart from each other like do we ever come back from that i don't know i mean i think that we'll we'll adapt and we'll do new things um but i think for the interim of about a good 18 months until we see viruses and then after we convince the people who are anti-vax to maybe take it and then we have to have a telethon or four um you know i mean like it's got to take everyone's favorite celebrity like if you know steve-o dies of the coronavirus then you're going to get a subset of people being like i don't know dude i mean steve-o was pretty unkillable oh. yeah if logan paul if logan paul dies of corona then it's going to be it'll be a, a millennial epi- <laughs> epidemic for sure absolutely no but i think 
So with that protocol, but if the, our favorite thing, the biggest company of our favorite sport doesn't want to pay attention to it, how are we supposed to think that it's not okay? You know what I mean? We're just going to go along with it since they're putting it on. I mean, I always said, I'm going to know the end of the world is happening when they stop scheduling the Olympics. Well, guess what? <laughs> Here we go. But Vince is like, no, you know what? They'll, they won't know. We won't know any better. Just like the storylines. It's just like, oh, they'll forget about it because yeah. we'll be so engulfed. I think one of the more entertaining aspects, uh, people on social media post like, when they said the WWE is going back to taping again live, they go, <clears throat> I don't see you guys complaining about this like you were about Dana. And I was like, you know the difference between Vince and Dana? Vince kept his mouth shut. Dana kept doing it as to antagonize the press and antagonize people to be like, don't fucking worry about it. Vince was saying the same shit behind closed doors, but he never said it publicly. So thus, when Vince gets to do it, he's just kind of like, ugh, ugh, you idiot, Dana. Does Dana ever wear suits? Dana? Yeah, has he ever worn a suit and tie? Yeah. Uh, tie's different. Dana's not always <laughs> a tie see, person. That's the level that Vince is on. He's a suit and tie. He's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You know what I mean? Like, he is cut fucking throat. He doesn't fucking have to tell you he knows Trump. But when Dana goes out there, he's like, I know Trump, bro. I, 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 talked, to da- I talked to Trump yesterday, bro. bro. believe me. You got to believe. I know Trump. And, you know, he, it's a stand-up guy. I'll tell you this one time he did this one thing for me, and that's the reason why I'm fucking his butt buddy. So that's why we're besties. Like, okay, cool, Wait, Dana. John, John, Jones, John Jones did what? No. Um, that's not Could important. Um, no. <laughs> I don't... What? Coronavirus? I can't hear you. This call's breaking up. Okay, bye, everybody. So, all right. So now we get into the context. Let me tell you how my WrestleMania night goes. And this is why it's perfectly adorable. I, when I realized I was not going to WrestleMania, you immediately think if you're not going to go to WrestleMania, WrestleMania is like a Christmas to us. You want to have friends over and watch it. And you can't even do that. And I told my wife, she's like, well, what time does it start? And I was like, well, it technically starts at four, but I'll probably sleep through 20 minutes of that. So eh, I'll take a nap. I take a nap. She wakes me up. And she's just like, oh, hey, WrestleMania is starting. And I was like, it's the pre-show, so, like, it's cool, you know. Like, I just need to be up for five minutes of it. She immediately tells me, she goes, okay, cool. Well, I ordered you some pizza and some wings because um, I wanted you to have a good WrestleMania. And I was like, for both nights or just one? Because <laughs> it's two nights, babe. And I Nobody hate the sleepy path. <laughs> no, no. No. <laughs> No, you sound seriously. like me when I'm asleep. Jesus. But it was so fucking nice. And I have to give credit to my wife. She knew that I wanted to have a great WrestleMania. And I wanted to make sure that I said something nice about it. Because I thought that was so great. And it made me feel connected. Because everybody was watching it on social media. Even people who don't watch wrestling anymore. And who criticize it. Were watching that night. So what was your viewing experience like? Oh, it was completely different than that. Max shows up with a 12-pack of White Claw. No, Bud Light Seltzer. <laughs> so now we're going to binge drink just to forget to not take a nap and kind of dull our woes about what's going on. But again, I had this weird sense of pessimism. But when you say that you can't watch it with friends, like should I have not had Max come over with Bud Light Seltzers? Like well, The worst part about that yeah. whole sentence is seltzers for sure. <laughs> So that's where we're at. But I was hyped on the pre-show, man. Drew Gulak versus Cesaro. I was really looking forward to. I was but too. Then when that... But. But. 
but I just you know I wanted them to have more time to work out. Like I wanted them yeah. to have a little bit more of a storytelling time. I felt like that shit was done in like five minutes. Would you have rather have them do that or be in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal? Don't you bring this to me. First of all, don't sully yeah. <laughs> Andre the Giant with a memorial of nonsense. Second of all, like Cesaro's Social already distancing. won that, so we've been there, done that. I don't mind right. them getting the open slot. I just thought, like, man, if we're really trying to set the pace for a night that is unprecedented... Let's start the night off strong. And I thought they were fine. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. But those two guys are people who I like and root for. So I know they're capable of more. So it's not like, oh, they can't pull off something. I'm like, no, fuck, they can really pull off something. But as a non-wrestling fan saying, fuck it, okay, I want to see what this is all about. How? Because there's no other sports and I'm done with marble racing. Mm -hmm. And as amazing as it is, when they see that coming out, because I was affected by the the non the non crowd in the arena, you know what I mean. But, but we know better because we want these wrestlers to get their reaction and we get their shine time. But I don't know if it would transfer over to the the casual fan. No matter how good of workers we know them as, you know what I mean. What was there the casual fans take of it? Is it just a novelty at that point? Or they're like, oh, I'm gonna watch this for seven hours for two days. I don't know if that. I don't know if they ever accomplished that at all. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I just knew, okay, we did it. Maybe they've got something down the line that they can do something else with it, and I'm fine with that. Um, but, you know, for for beginning of it, and here's the good news. Cesaro won something, so that was kind of nice for a change. Because, <laughs> you know, even he's like, have I won anything lately? I don't know. So it makes me feel a little bit happier for him. Uh, now we actually get into the graphics and the actual uh, beginning of the show. Now, the sequence... No, because, I mean, well, I just want to know how Tampa Bay became the, is it because of the football team they became the pirate capital of Earth? Yes. You know what I mean? So Johnny Depp should be Florida's mascot at that point, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm not saying anything. What? I just saw, like, when they kept doing this, all I could think about was, oh, fuck, we don't have a ship on this thing. Like, I'm a little disappointed that we don't have a ship. And to me, again, we had been prepped for this because they had done closed... Uh, wrestling events leading into the big event. So we saw it on AEW, we saw it with even the WWE, and then all of a sudden when they actually get to the event and then it's supposed to be like, and WrestleMania! Welcome. Just to, with the Ross thing. But, what was comp why couldn't they build a, a ship in the <laughs> why couldn't they just build a ship in the performance center? Beats me. Dude. They had to build because they the the nine hundred foot ship wouldn't fit. no build a smaller one. Like I don't understand why they just just didn't go in with the aesthetic of it at all. They didn't even dress it up. At least when AEW does it, they when they did that stupid bash at that beach, they put like inflatable palm trees and they made it look hokey as fuck. Like in your house, you used to do that when they yeah. had Todd Pettengill on the fucking the blow up pools and all that all that bullshit. I don't think I think they were more worried about the production of the outside of it more than the inside of it because it was just going to be, they were fine with just having to be the bare guts of it. Yeah. Um, I think that came into fruition when the record scratch and the fucking, um, Shaun of the dead narrator walked us through some weird, I don't even, I still don't even know what that meant. Do you know what that meant? No. Do you, what was the underlying connotation of the gibberish that this dude was telling us? Like, 
we shot this, but I don't, I don't get it. I, I want you to explain it to me, please. I think what it was trying to do was fill time. I think there was a large part of me that was like, they just kept going with the guy, and they're like, no, 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 keep going, keep going. And he's like, and blimey, there's another rock to unfold, and a waterfall that you may have to look out, dead man's curve, and R, and am I done? Do I have to keep doing this? Oh, God, how yeah. many more puns do you guys have? They just had a Craigslist ad for the local UCB troop to come and <laughs> to come and do voiceovers at the performance. <laughs> Yo, bro, don't mock it till you try it. <laughs> if you put that up as like a little cutoff slab with a phone number, every improv group would be like, Ooh, "I'll take one of those." Thank you. Well, that's what it. That's what it kind of felt like. I mean, it kind of felt like they had a shotgun, which I'm trying to figure out what it would have been in. Tampa, if we had the real WrestleMania, which is going to further a point with how this affected it as a whole, and we got stuff that we weren't supposed to get, and we got stuff that we we didn't get stuff that we were supposed to get. But um, yeah, I I don't I think they really wanted it to be a movie, and I was just confused to why Seth Rollins. I think they just put anybody with long hair that yeah. looked like a pirate in it, right? Okay. Oh, and Kelly yeah, was into that. Full. I didn't know. She was looking at me, and she's like, oh, yeah, Seth Rollins is my jam. And I was like, really? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Raph, I've been saying this my whole life. Girls like guys. I mean, we have personality. We get off like that. But girls like guys that look like girls and look like pirates. I've been saying that my <laughs> entire fucking life. If you dress like a pirate... That's why Jerry Seinfeld's puffy shirt kind of yeah. got up. Like, girls are like, oh, I feel that shirt. We're like, mm, <laughs> no. Mm -mm. By the way, hello, Daniel. Thank you. Welcome to the broadcast. Um, let's say this. Let's get into the matches now. So we already had the pre-show. Now we actually get to the show. Elixabeth and Nikki Cross versus Asuka and Carrie Sane. So what do you got on this? I mean... I think that's one of the only things that worked for an arena. If they just let Oscar, I would just watch Oscar yell in the middle of the ring. Just talk like when she's on commentary, it's brilliant. Yep. And I think that's one of the things that was highlighted was what they had to do with the lack of the crowd. And that was really accentuated and they might've blown their load with it to tell you the truth. Um, my takeaway from that match, too, Max kept on badgering me how good of a match it really was. But I think I was so enamored with the non-reaction in the empty arena that I couldn't. When I went back and watched it, I went, okay, they did really work. You know, they, they worked well, and it would have transferred with the crowd. It was just hard to settle into. Yeah. Um, I really like that. I really... Like the team, I could even like make a judge on the booking though. Like it was so it was so yeah. overwhelming that this is something different that all storylines and um payoffs were kind of secondary at that point, right? Yep. Um I didn't have too much for it. I thought it was fine. Like it's not a match that moves me either way, except for saying like Asuka can do whatever she wants. And I'm good on no. that. No, nobody everybody realized that nobody knew that Nikki had that kind of cleavage. I think that was the takeaway of that when she fucking that was the spot, right? I've been saying she's hot this whole time, and she had it. I mean, she went full Superman on him. I think people were screen screenshotting that, and they were kind of amazed by that. And for that to be the only takeaway, really, that I like really sparked in my brain right now, that's that says something. So then we move on so over hot. to so hot. Elias versus King Corbin. Hmm. Um, 
I really think they miss a spot. I really think they miss a golden opportunity right there. They that should have been they killed him. Remember they killed him two a week ago. WrestleMania didn't have any fucking returns. We could have had what we could have had. Um, shit. Any old leg- MVP or any anybody any surprise. Literally anybody. <laughs> yeah, they could have had somebody dressed up as Joe Exotic come out, and that would have got would have got super over. You know what I mean? I was really expecting it, but when his guitar played and he didn't have music, then it was just kind of a weird squash match. And then they played his music, his new theme song at the end. I was it was kind of this kind of a, a kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you expanding your your horizons with new words on the show. Did Let's you just... hear me try like new word, new word, new word? It's the first time I think I've seen you like jump into a word that you're like, I don't want get me off of this word. I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, speaking no, of, I'm gonna that, get that tattooed. Speaking of that, uh, are we still on the man train? Because Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. You mentioned you had a friend who wanted to be there for Shayna's moment, except it wasn't. Ooh, touche. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, Max was really mad at... He was doing the whole, if Becky wins, we riot, because it didn't make any sense. Um, a huge takeaway from this, too, is the underlying fact that if they do go on hiatus, they're going to need people to still do media. Yep. And I don't know if Shayna's really ready for media, even though a heel can do media, I think they needed the baby, the baby faces of all babies to be able to still do that for another three months and go on the promo tours and tell us why wrestling's essential. And especially that's been somebody that's so high on the, you know, such an anomaly as, as Becky's been. I mean, it's hard, kind of hard not to be on the train, but it's still, it's almost on the merch train at that point. Yeah. Like we're so, we're so um well people are just myopic they only see the the one aspect right. which is the matches they don't see the larger pe- picture which is she's everywhere man she is a trooper in terms of doing those press days doing those scrums if you got something that's like uh you know lifetime looks at great women and things like she'll do one of those vh1 countdowns like you could see her in any one of those situations she's on the in. box of she's on the box of honey crisp yep I popped for her when I went to Walmart. I was like, oh, shit, Becky. That, and that's pretty mainstream. But Hello, wait, wait, wait. Now that you're saying that. Can't get enough of that Becky Lynch. <laughs> Is that what we're going to do? Do we want to do that? Copyright. Copyright. Make copyright. it hot. I Make it happen right now. I think honey, with a honeycomb hideout. Oh, Fuck. you can't this hear this, but white. hold on. I have new toys at my disposal. So you can't hear this, but I definitely have an air horn sound. <laughs> That could be made, so uh, yeah, we got all that. Oh, you've never wanted to get a soundboard? How dare you? I've been asking for a soundboard for the fucking a year and a half. I didn't have now the we opportunity have to do one. Now Ecamm makes it so that you can. And not only that, but they also give you the ability to say things like, listen, Mike, you're so old that not even Hulk Hogan will job to you. Ooh. Nope, nope. The audience says applause because they were cheering in the background because I brought my own. <laughs> 
take that. See, I don't know how new tech. I'm so behind in the times of technology. Well, the other thing is you have no idea what the hell I'm pressing on the soundboard. So that's the beautiful part to me is I can get away with things now. Let's go to the next match. An applause, applause screen behind you. (laughs) I do. I have an on-air one, but I don't have that. So here's my disclaimer. No, let me ask you real quick. Hold on, hold on. Let me. But we go. I had something. Who? Who then? Besides Becky, who? If with what I said, who then? Like who's gonna take the reins of that? As much as we like Io Shirai and we like, you know, yep. Charlotte Flair could do it, but we're kind of tired of that. So there's got to be some kind of middle point to where it has to be credible and still be a face. Here's something that I think appeases both sides. One, I think to the people who wanted to see Shayna win, and there's perfectly logical reasons for that. It was disappointing that it's the same kind of like not sloppy finish but just kind of like oh that's the booking we're going with to tell that story i think that's more the disappointing side of it on the other hand i don't care like if she's holding the belt that's perfectly fine it just means we do a chase and i argue this if you're Shayna baszler it's pretty cool to get your belt on a brand new night but as other people learn that night just standing up there like this with no crowd is not as cool. So I'm fine with delaying it until maybe we get back to crowds. And I don't know that that appeases everybody, but who gives a flying fuck? Becky was only cool when she got over three times and it involved brutal violence. Mm -hmm. Brutal violence. And that's when, that's how Charlotte got over against Ronda. I mean, they brought kendo sticks out. I mean, they were really... And that's kind of gone. That's gone away from that character. So I think people aren't like shocked, and they kind of just like settled into, oh, she's pretty, and you know, she's oh, the man. That's kind of cute. That's funny, but she's a woman. Like, oh, that's kind of cute for a year now. Like, there yeah. needs, there's nothing. And I don't know if the truck was gonna be enough, dude. I really don't know if they had the stage if she drives that monster truck in or whatever the fuck that was. Like a look like a tow truck. <laughs> <laughs> she's now AAA services that comes in is like. <laughs> The man heard you got pulled over. Do you need uh, some assistance? But can I first see your AAA card? That'd be great. Triple A versus Triple H, intergender man. Book it. Oh yes. God, I so said it. Triple <laughs> A versus Triple H. His car breaks down and she pulls up and he's mad that it's not a guy. And she's like, What do you mean? I'm the man. I'm the man behind the Triple A. <laughs> The worst Triple part H. is is that Triple H is going to have to job and do everything to to put over Triple A. Actually, and that's not even it. Triple A is no, fucking in Mexico. No, Triple H would get over. Nope. No, you don't think so? <laughs> They'd be oh, doing no. those calls like they're like, hey, it's Sting. Bury him. Uh, make yeah, sure that they don't 100%. get over. All right, let's transition to the next match. Next match, of course, is going to be Sammy versus one uh, hold on, wait a minute. Is that true? Do I even remember this? Yeah, Sami Zayn versus G. Bray. Why were you, you were expecting so much more like the rest of us, well, weren't for you? For a split second, I was just kind of like, wait, did that match happen? I don't know if you guys remember, but quarantine has been in effect for three weeks. And I feel like two weeks ago was 1990 at this point. Like, that's how far back these things are to me. Um, But yes, Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan. Again, it's fine. It's disappointing in the sense of, like, it'd be nice if they got to do a little bit different stuff. But, like, I do appreciate the storytelling that Sami was doing. Like, I felt like Sami was carrying a a decent load of, like, telling a fucking uh, wimp story. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said about that. That's his wheelhouse. 
and I think the crowd might take away from him sometimes because he's too he's too good on the mic and the fact that they've let him they they let him run with it for us to know that that's going to take president over a ring of honor style match that we were all expecting because it's they're two of their top stars and we're used to that kind of stuff mm-hmm. it was a little disappointing but it did fit no it fit well i don't know if it was a wrestlemania type of match but it was it was for what it was i mean you put two you know names like that together it's going to it has to work on some kind of level and i i appreciate that you get the sense that Daniel Bryan wanted to kind of pay it forward and continue it on and do that sort of a thing. So I'm good with that as well. Uh, John Morrison, Jimmy Uso, and Kofi Kingston. This is where the pay-per-view starts, Raph. <laughs> this is when you should awaken up from your nap. This is when you enjoy the big slice of pineapple. You, you probably have some weird pizza toppings. I know you do oh, pineapple on like fucking... You do pineapple and like red pepper or some shit, or like you do some kind of off thing. I like black olive. You don't strike me as a black olive guy. But you should have been woken up with the fabulous slice of pizza supreme DiGiorno's. But like, what kind of beer did you get? What did you get? You I had uh, anyway, IPAs. Thank you. Oh, you would. My dad calls IPAs IPAs, and I don't have the nerve to. I don't have the heart to correct them. I just let him need one of those IPAs. <laughs> Um, it, that's where the pay-per-view started if you were a casual fan and you started at the ladder match then there would have been an acceptable Wrestlemania style pay-per-view yeah. um, I, they, those guys did everything they possibly could yeah it was kind of weird that you know they just oh we're going to have a tag team match and then a day later like nope just kidding JK JK but I don't think we were really worried about it because we know what those three guys could do and there was one thing for the two workers, John Morrison and Kofi, but if Jay would have just kept on talking the entire yeah, time, I I think he started talking about what the, the about, there was about a quarter of the way to go, and he started doing his fucking Uso rap bullshit. I was like, oh, it made that so much. If he would have yeah. just done that the whole time, it would have been fucking amazing. But it was good. Can it I ask really, you really a question good. that was bugging Uh-oh. me the whole time? The only thing that really bugged me this whole match is you know these guys are adrenaline junkies. So, you know, they get to that top of that, that, that ladder and things change. They're just like, I got to do it for the fans. I got to do this. Ah, I've got to rush here. Take away the fans. Does it not look more psychotic to just be like, fuck, I got to fucking jump off this stupid fucking thing. All right, fine. Uh, Absolutely. Ow. Yeah, why would you want to put yourself through crazy bumps like that? I think Kevin Owens was done a service that the pirate ship wasn't there because that crowd would be like, yeah, no, do it. No, you're going to do right, it. Right. Like, oh, this will be, this is acceptable. It's about half the distance, but yeah, there's not even my mom's worst. My mom hates ladder matches because she doesn't understand why they're always, why they're always, why they're always reaching and they can't just grab the fucking thing. Like even trying to sell, that is taken away because there's no... Uh, well, let's be very clear. The people who will never win ladder matches are our parents because they're the people that's like, <laughs> I, Neil, can you get the step stool and get that for me? Because, like, there's no parent that's ever going to win a ladder match. So that's how she's probably like, no, I wouldn't... I would just get, like, Mike, go up there. Neil, go up, get, get the ladder. Get it for me, please. It's then change fair. light bulb, okay? That's very fair. And that's why that end spot didn't transfer as well yeah. because you only had the two reactions of 
them two on top. They're like, they knew they dropped it. They yeah. knew they weren't holding it. So to have them fall and then to sell that look, oh, like almost <laughs> like a Three Stooges, almost like a, what did you like? It's, I, it was anticlimactic, I but we get it. I thought the thing that like made me the most mad about it was I was like, you guys pre-recorded this. You can't take a shot again. It'd be like, all right, mm-hmm. take two on ladder drop, and it's kind of the end of the show. So, wow. that's a great point. Do you think there was there was none of that on the, other than the produced matches? Don't know. It, I, I would love to ask them, but it looked like they took what they got as was, as to try and make it feel as normal but like you think for the last part of it unless they've got some weird storytelling thing that they want to do with it which did not look like the case it just looks like kind of that thing where you go did lex luger go over at the same time okay i guess we're gonna have to work around that. <laughs> good to know all yeah, right they just so that they have to find what how sad would that be if that was their eighth shot that was the eighth take and there's like no that's fine that's it we're, we're done with it like that that's gonna be fine can, can you do one uso where you don't do anything like <laughs> like Jimmy, just don't don't do anything is what I'm asking you, bro. Um, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed that. I think you're right. But here's where I started to pop because the next match to me, Kevin Owens gave us the one WrestleMania moment that they'll probably be able to replay in future clip shows, which is him jumping off some shit. Now, granted, how we got here is completely stupid. I will set up a couple things for you guys. Number one, Seth Rollins walking out as the Messiah. Mwah. Perfect. I think he set the tone. I think he walked out like an idiot. I thought that he was playing to a crowd that wasn't there, and that made me happy. Two, Kevin Owens going through the match, getting that disqualification, and then going like, hey, hey, don't you go anywhere. Why don't we do a no disqualification match? And it's like, why don't we just do that for the fucking beginning? Don't waste our fucking time. This is so fucking stupid. Just make it an ODQ match from the get-go. You don't have to tell this story about, like, something weird happened. It just felt weird in that sense to me. Because especially when you have an empty arena, there's no crowd being like, Yeah! The whole thing that we saw was bullshit! Make something new happen! Yeah, yeah, you're, no, the... Well, they told the wrong story to begin with. The story was that Kevin Owens hasn't won at WrestleMania. He keeps making those stupid shirts, and he can't get he can't get over. There's no reason for him to be on the shirt. He should have been bitching and moaning like, "I'm not losing to you. You're not beating me. I'm not going out like that." That should have been the culmination. I don't even remember what the fucking story was. Like he was just tired of of cosplay Jesus. Like I don't. But the whole fact again, we know these guys. We know that's a Ring of Honor main event. We, we've seen their careers, but like I said, for the casual fan that's going to watch that, to see them jump off that sign, you're right. That's going to pop. That's going to hold. And it was cool for us because it wasn't Shane jumping off a fucking cage for once. We got a different look. They, there's a different feel. There's a, diff, a whole different air to it. You know what I mean? And it almost kind of took away from the fact of him. He kind of just disappeared, and you didn't have, like, the speculation of the crowd, like, mumbling and shit. Like, when it takes Shane an hour to climb up the cage, and people are, ooh, at first, and then they get tired of it because we know it's coming. I think they did that really, really well. But, I mean, you can only do that, what, once now? Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that that, to me, uh, was a moment that I said, oh, there's a WrestleMania moment, so good. There we go. The inverse of a WrestleMania moment is when Braun Strowman beats up Goldberg. And the reason for that is, one, who the fuck called Goldberg back? Two, why the fuck is Goldberg there? Three, 
An empty arena Goldberg entrance is the saddest thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I think it's ridiculous to begin with, but like we're all into it and that's fine. But to have because to me it makes me think like you should at least have one person walking behind him and being like Goldberg Goldberg to at least push it a little bit forward I feel like they were just like at that point that's how they walk into their house <laughs> you know, I mean they don't they don't have <laughs> like is that what they're practicing well, on the you to me I would say this I think whenever I see him with two security guards that's him going to a security deposit box at like a bank this <laughs> so it's like Goldberg walking in and being like ah and these two guys being like, well, sir, um, we'll make sure that you get your city deposit box. Make sure you brought your, your double key uh, to, to get it in there. Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate your time. Do people even look at Goldberg in the eyes at that point? You know what I mean? It's such a sad – I don't know. I get it. I get that. Look, this was the whole thing. They wanted – they just jumped over to Fox. They needed a huge name, a huge name that's going to draw. They already expended all their shit on Raw. Dwayne was not available. There was no way Dwayne was going to f- drop what he was doing, even though they, I don't know if there's any movies during the coronavirus. So they needed the biggest name that could get the casual fan. And like it or not, it was fucking, it's fucking Goldberg. He's going to get the people from 1997 when we were in high school watching this shit to casually Watch that. They don't care if it was against Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, or a fucking cheeseburger. It didn't matter. They were going to see their their idols. And we're done Hold with on. that. I know we're done with that. Goldberg versus a cheeseburger. Headlighting WrestleMania 37 out here in Los Angeles. Now we're talking. Because uh, you know what? He's not going to put that cheeseburger over either. So no. he'll just eat it up no, and spit cheese- it out. It, I, I would love to see how they're going to do 50-50 offense with an animal style. <laughs> So we'll say this. Braun Strowman finally getting uh, the nod is worth it. So I was happy for that. I did feel it was a moment of, well, okay. But, Raph, it would be so hard for you to, like, maybe call a match. But you could just sit there and tell me in 30 seconds exactly what happened in that match. Jackhammer, 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 jackhammer. Power slam, power slam, power slam, pin. That was, that, I think that's a problem that we had. I don't care. I, I don't mind Braun and Goldberg. They had to do what they got to do. But at least <laughs> give me give me a concussion angle or some shit. You know what I mean? Give me some kind of dead time. It was. It felt like it was pretty, you know, it was just like a reset button, which we get. But, I mean, that's kind of, that kind of uh, questions our intelligence. But like you said, you don't give a fuck, I guess. <laughs> it's, listen, we did it. We got it out of the way. I'm so glad that we just kind of all looked at it like this. Get on with it. Let's move. Yeah. Then, we, you know, my only contention was don't jackhammer this guy. You can't do it anymore. Like, you almost killed Taker, and we don't need that going on in our lives right now. But you know what didn't kill Taker? AJ Styles. And we need to spend some time talking about this match, which is I have described this on Verbal Tap as the sequel to the fourth sequel of Rambo. Like, low-grade, very, 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 very... uh, It's kitschy, but in the right ways to our audience. To the right ways to the pro wrestling audience. Where you get a little bit of supernatural element. You get a little bit of old-school badass taker. And then you get a little bit of showmanship from him. 
so that even when you see the druids come out of the gate, you go, yeah, this is fine. I'm good with this. No, he's the only one that can get away with magic still. That's why when they did the the reveal, when they did the fire spot, not to jump ahead, when they did the fire spot, none of us had any questions. We're like, yeah, uh huh. That's what the Undertaker. That's what the Undertaker. There should have been a bolt of lightning, and even with his little hologram when he was riding away, it's like, yeah, that's what the under. He's the last cog of that machine that we used to, you know. And it was 2020's way of, you know, Michael Bain it fucking accentualizing to where we're gonna do that for you guys in a modern sense and it still fucking worked and nobody was expecting it yeah. and kudos to fucking AJ for for laying into that character too because I mean not to use a pun but nobody wants to be buried especially during Wrestlemania but to be like buried alive and with the with that kind of symbolism I think it just worked perfect and none of us were fucking expecting that at, at all <laughs> Kelly looked at me and she goes how do you win this match? And I go, well, you got to bury them, and you've got. And she's like, I'm good. We're we're good here. I think there was one person because the thing about this is, is that there's a lot to love and appreciate about this match. But I think somebody put up a poll when they said, how much did you love or hate the the whole boneyard match? And I was like, somebody put underneath. They go, is there an option for both? And I was like, that's so true because. I loved it in one element, but the other part of me was like, this is so, like, what the fuck? And then at the same point saying, you know what, kudos to that team that put that together. So what culture was reporting that it was uh, Michael Hayes and Triple H, and then a combination of collaborative efforts between Undertaker and AJ Styles. And the only thing that, like, kind of stuck out to me was during the match, I understood that they needed to talk to each other because there was no color in there. There was no commentary uh, that was really surrounding it. So as a result of that, there was a moment where they go, can you believe that Undertaker and AJ improved all of those lines? And I was like, yes. Yes, I can. 100%. A million percent. Because they kept saying like, come on, boy. You want to get in a last ride here? And then you get AJ being like, oh, come on, Taker. You're so old. You're old. And I was like, yeah, they, they basically rinse and repeat. They were like avatars in a video game who are only programmed to say two things and then they just kept doing it i said sure okay yeah i mean i like it but let's not pretend that they were writing shakespeare as they were doing it no i really thought they had a hamlet moment when he gave him the hug and he was like no i'm not you're okay you know you you fought hard you, you, i got and gave him a hug. i really felt that like broke backy not to be no homo but just that that like heartfelt like they're gonna ride off they were gonna go together like but mm-mm. like i don't is he dead? Um, no. Is, is AJ dead? The hand sticking out, by the way, BT Dubs, mwah, uh, at the very end, the closest with out the on glove, With one. the glove on. With the glove on still. Bro, that's, that's the Michael Jackson ending. Like, that's him being like, no, I'll be back. Michael lives on forever. Like, AJ Styles I, living on is great. I think that was an original thought, actually. Like I said, I was watching it with somebody that doesn't like wrestling and they're like it just seems like the thriller video is going to break out and that would have been great if they just would have cut to a scene of michael jackson and the girl walking through <laughs> like the boat yeah. just walking by without them even knowing what was going on it's that was the prequel nobody talks about 
you know, that movie, yes. that whole yes. thriller is like, what, 23 minutes of like airtime? Anytime mm-hmm. they used to do a best of count and they'd be like, we're counting down the top 20 music videos of the last decade. If you saw there was 40 minutes left in the show, you'd go, it's fucking thriller. Because they thriller. need that yeah, much time to put it in there. Well, it smells like Teen Spirit literally too? is just in and out. <laughs> So no, they played. They had a making of Thriller. Vincent Price was all over that motherfucker. No, my biggest takeaway from that match was: Did you see the cars driving behind, like on the street behind it? Like, the traffic that was going on—that was my favorite fucking thing. Is that they couldn't even close it off. Too, there was like I would want to be the guy. Like I saw this, the weirdest thing while I was driving. <laughs> there, was there was a fire there was a guy at the end. He went like this. Which, by the way, that's how you know Undertaker is old. Not like we needed some extra assurance, but like most people, when they they conjure something, they like do this. But when Undertaker had a fireball, he literally like went like this, like that. <laughs> like, and I felt Rotator. so bad <laughs> because I was just like, bro, like okay. But here's what I can say: Does this open up new possibilities for the Undertaker? Absolutely. Does it make the possibility of him versus staying a possibility? Sure. Does it make us say there's a little bit left on The Undertaker that we, we keep saying, like, hey, bro, we're we're good. This at least gave us that exit strategy that we've been needing for so long. Well, and also says Metallica, too. Like, do we get Metallica to play him out? And how fucking mad is Fred Durst? You think Fred Durst was sitting there who, like, royalties are gone? Like, that's my creation. I'm fucking rolling, rolling, rolling. What? Like, yeah. they fucking... Ab- yeah. <laughs> well, I was watching the... The Hell in a Cell, Triple H versus Undertaker, and they and it was Metallica played the cage down. Yeah. Instead of the it was, a, it was I think it was the same fucking song. So I was like, oh, is this like a six year like Easter egg callback? Ooh, this is this is good. Like I want to see the DVD extras of this. Yeah, I mean, I'm just happy, and you know, now they're starting to put on Undertaker the Last Ride. They did a preview of that the next night. I watched that, and I have to say, it's a little bullshit. You know why? Because they go, we're going to show you guys the last ride the next night. And I go, cool. I watch it. They go, and this is a preview. Limited series coming mm-hmm. soon. And I was like, what the mm-hmm. fuck off? Give me the thing now. I want it that's now. How they get, that's, how they get, that's how they get you, Raph. And that's, why, that's how they got me on WrestleMania, because when it went off, <sighs> you were just like, what? Like, <laughs> holy shit. Like. But little did we know that we were even going to be more blown away uh, we, intrinsically we were, we were about to get the next night. Because that's night one. Night two comes in. And then we've got Liv Morgan and Natalia, which I just kind of ingested in a very quick way of... Uh, I liked it. Story. Yeah, it was fine. I liked it a lot. I really liked... I, it was really the first time I saw Liv as a worker. Mm. Did she win? Yes, she did. Yeah, Natalia. Yeah, yeah. To put her over for Natalia to put her over and to make her look like a credible worker. We've never. So I like that for the, on the same re- way that Max liked kind of the the women's tag team match, but based on work rate. But I was like, finally, they did something with with Liv. They've been practic- They've been doing that for her for months, and at least she got. I guarantee you, that's her WrestleMania moment. Yeah. In her eyes, as a, as a person, <laughs> as a human. Um, then we go into the actual beginning of the show again. I've heated up some of the leftovers from the previous night. Oven, not microwaved. Thank you. Then we begin with Charlotte Flair defeating Rhea Ripley. Again, another disappointment for hardcores, but why so? Loved it. Loved it. It makes, that was the only thing that made 
sense. And you can't book Rhea into a corner like that. You know what I mean? They booked her. She was the hardest thing. And you can't on the um, whatever the the chart, the fuck, what am I trying to say? The feeding chart of the WWE. Nobody, you, you don't get that big of a push. But for her, for her to go out there and look the part and for Charlotte to give her 50% of it and her outfit and everything, it made all the sense. And now NXT is something to talk about because I guess people still love Charlotte Flair down there and she's just doing what Finn Balor did. He's going to go down there and make it credible and give... I mean, I want to see her versus Io Shirai. I think that could be yeah. really good. Expand what Charlotte's doing and she's helping NXT grow, which they are not doing on Raw and SmackDown. They're not giving these fresh... It should almost be like interchangeable. Yeah, You know what I mean? And that's why... Again, back to the Elias and Baron Corbin, they missed a shot to bring Keith Lee out or somebody, you know, Kyle O'Reilly or somebody from NXT to put their name out there and be like, oh, we need to watch out for this guy. You know, whether he's going to come up or not, then they can go back to NXT and they can always have this crossover universe, which is more organic than a fucking Boneyard or Firefly universe, which is still amazing. Which, by the way, is like now we're getting into the fucking multiverse of uh, wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like, now we've got alternate realities and things that we're kind of like, oh, that's cool. All right. I agree. I, w I didn't really feel terrible that she won it. I thought, all right. I loved you, it. You know, loved like, it. hey, and more importantly, like a clean, good win. It's a good start to the show, I felt. So we go there. Then we go to the fucking final end of Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley, which I'm good with being like, hey, listen, done here. Let's all move on. Because... No, it had no place. It had zero place on the card. The only thing that was cool about that was his little horns, his little Maleficent, little... And he's, his is the only entrance that can work in a no arena because they do the hard pan and they do the whole little well, I felt bad seesaw I, thing. I looked at Kelly and I go, this is normally way cooler. Like, this is, this is a little, little rickety with no audience and no stage smoke and all that shit to really put it over. Well, I went to a takeover when it was at Staples. And normally I'm kind of passive about it. It's fucking really cool. Out it here. is. It was. Yeah. It was. I. I made. It made me feel something. And I was, like I said, I'm n normally a pessimist about even expressing that. And I was just like, that was fucking cool, man. Thanks. <laughs> so we go from there. Me. That to uh, Otis and Dolph Ziggler, which I guess in terms of like just trying to tell a story, I felt like these two could have been like, murp, murp. like if this was truly taped. And we're in that element right now, and we live in a Netflix world. If they would have had skip match as a possibility, I would have been like, okay, next one, please. That's so funny that you think that because a lot of I see a lot of people saying that was the only thing that got that that drew them in as far as story and everything that made sense. And the big takeaway of it was that oh my god, they would have popped so hard for that Mandy spot. I'm like, what really? Like I don't. I mean, I get it, but that's the whole thing about this whole mania is they just shotgun these stories. And if that's going to be the most compelling story within a month and a half, them just doing choppy, like you said, it wasn't even like, I'd rather watch you at that point, which is, I can't believe I just fucking said that. Yeah, don't even look at me like. <laughs> where, where, where did that come from? I don't, listen, bro. <laughs> I would tell a better story than half of those people. So, second of all, I'm not saying my in-ring work would be great, but I would at least tell a better story. Thank you. 
Well, no, but that's that South Park episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, he's cheating on the girlfriend. Oh, he took his job. Like, that's what people still kind of want. Yeah. The way we look at the Undertaker, the Boneyard match, and what we're going to talk about with the Firefly match, that's what those people think is that level. Yeah. That, that's their story. We're still in Maury Springer kind of drama. Yeah. The only thing that would have made that better would be murder, I guess. Well, we were close to it because that was the next match. So here's my favorite thing in the world. A last man standing match is kind of weird because there's a moment where when you win, uh, you know, normally there's a crowd after they do the 10 count. This one was literally like Edge commits murder. On this day, I see clearly. And it's like, oh, that felt weird. Okay, that man about died. Good. That okay, so you know how you open the show with your whole that's when I fell into my my nap state like that <laughs> I but and I woke up halfway through and I asked my brother, I go, how long have I been sleeping? This is still on. I can't I couldn't believe they were still doing it. And then you brought a good point to where I woke up. I felt like I was in my garage. I was like it was so messy and unorganized. <laughs> I was like I felt like waking <laughs> no, up. Like, I just said like my head in my <laughs> Could they had some of the new NXT guys clean up the place a little bit more? Like could they get Jake to go in there and be like, "No, I'll put the weights away, dude." Like I'm sorry. Like who has a like scattered I... house like that? Who needs all those nuts? They had a full toolbox. I was like, they don't need all those screws. Like, when do they? I don't see. Like, and then the weird, um, when they were fighting on the office, like the conference table, that weird chain. Do they have that chain link fucking fence up there the I entire time? Legit is for a life. thing. Yeah, for life. <laughs> and more importantly, nothing made me laugh harder for Edge to like be like, oh, I know. I got a great idea. I'm just going to climb this thing for the world's shortest elbow drop ever seen. Like so just to do a fun swing. I think it's so stupid because it's just you sitting there going like, hey, I'm going to climb this. And I'm going to like drop an elbow on this guy. And then you look over and you go, well, that's where we're at right now. This is now the second longest WrestleMania match of all time. It did kind of feel that way. But at the same point, you kind of want to give your season performers the ability to carry a show when you're in dire straits. So they should have, I really liked the last couple minutes of it when they were fighting on top of what was that truck or whatever. Yeah. If they could have combined that part with the Elias uh, Corbin ending where they, that's how Randy, and then you could on this day, like you wouldn't have seen the murder. They would have just gone into the, and you just speculate that, you know, he might be, or he just broke. Because forget, they did that to Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle's leg was <laughs> over in fucking <laughs> Toluca Lake while he, their match was in Burbank. You know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that was fine. That's how you write somebody off. But um, I think it caught a lot of flack the minute they fucking put that gym the gym um, rope around his neck and they went full Benoit on him. I think people were just kind of like, yeah, no matter what you do, this is going to fall. This is just going to not be good. Well, I mean, you know, Daniel Bryan's looking at that and being like, I got fired for that once, you assholes. How dare you? So, whatever. Let's say this. I, again, I was just happy to see Edge back. Um, He has a great documentary if you guys get the, the chance to watch that. And I think the idea is, is like, at least with Edge, you get the sense of watching somebody just have fun knowing they get to do it again. And that's one of those hidden elements of watching that match is being like, 
yeah, it's weird. And I think they're making the best of it. And, you know, all things considered, you don't judge this like a regular WrestleMania. You kind of have to look at it through a different lens. And for this, I was like, eh, this, this doesn't bug me. He just needs to go. He just needs to work on his fake crying. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just, he was, I, I just, he could have drawn me in right there, but he kind of, he didn't think enough of, um, for Meltzer to call that the most boring match. And that's a huge thing for him to be just so, cause normally he'll look at the silver lining and everything, but he's nope, mm-mm, nope, not, I'm, I'm, no Dave again. No, no stars. No negative. <laughs> Might've been the first time he thought about giving something negative stars at that point. Which I'm what pretty a sure for not doing it. Pretty sure Meltzer was like, uh, in fact, they actually owe me stars. That's how few stars that is. I'm I'm sending a collector to go get them uh, because I'm not. I didn't get any stars on that one. No, <laughs> I'm gonna give their stars to someone else. He's got a star bounty hunter. That's so fucking God, great. I've never thought about this. <laughs> Does Dave Meltzer have like a chart behind him, like he used to have in fucking grade school, where it's like uh, Edge two stars. <laughs> no, you lost a star. No more stars for you guys. You have to stay after class. <laughs> you have to stay after class. <laughs> I, I, I guess it's not it that long to do it. I fucking hated that match. So. I, I wasn't hyped on it going. I mean, what they did, the way they, the buildup. Yeah. Granite in front of a crowd. Yeah. Was great. Yeah. Then they really showed you what an empty arena promo could look like for those two. Cause yeah. so they're too, they're, they're really good, good at that. <clears throat> yeah. But the execution of this, I, I don't know, man. I think the last, the empty arena match with, um, Mankind and the Rock, like nobody fell down, nobody rolled down any stairs. Like, isn't that like empty arena, last man standing? Like, let's, protocol? let's take this two different ways. First of all, Edge is like no, because uh. and then True. okay, do, gotcha, Randy's gotcha. such a vet that now he's kind of like, you know, Randy doesn't take any bumps downstairs. That's why I made Mick do it. Back in the day. Meanwhile, they're just doing no-hold suplexes of Daniel Bryan fucking throwing him his head every chance he can fucking get. Just being like, when are you retiring? Daniel Bryan is essentially a lawn dart, I've decided. You just kind of like, Wah. oh, that landed. Good job. He, but it's really the only time in wrestling where I'm like legitly like, <gasps> every time they, <gasps> every yeah. time I say, oh, they're going to. So I don't know if I feel that way about Edge because I'm so because ha- you're happy for him. You're like, oh, this is what he, he's passionate about. That you're like, uh, Daniel Bryan, you have fucking kids, dude. Yeah. Like, you have a <laughs> garden. You you got petunias. You have to attend to. Like, shit. So let's move. Is that it? No, we're almost there. We're we're no. They were trying to, with the undercard. Well, we're getting those street profits and Garza in theory, which okay. Then you had Bailey. And uh, winning in the all female match, which was also 19 minutes, by the way. So the last two minutes were good. The last two minutes yes, were good. Okay. I would agree. Yeah, that. that was really well done. Bailey sold it like she was surprised. You totally expect Sasha to come back and fuck her because she's selfish, and they they threw a wrench in it, and that, that came off really well. What, that yeah. you didn't need a crowd for that. They should have done more subtle shit like that. That could have actually kept these stories going on. Yep. You know what I mean? Like Mandy could have come out and like tripped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
which <laughs> and then she just like over like broke a heel and like, Doesn't that really like, tell you how much we're struggling for storylines it's like hey man you know i would have preferred if she would have been like whoa 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 banana peel like <laughs> that would have been a better version of it would that work in lieu of a uh, no crowd would just be like hacky three stooges fucking sound effects bro we're in a new world i can't tell you what works and what doesn't anymore i can tell you like I don't know how I feel until I'm going to see it. And that's essentially where we were with Mania this year was I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel until I see it. And then once I see it, I'm going to have to take a couple days because once we got through all of those things and I saw, okay, we've got The Fiend and we've got John Cena. And on paper, this could go two different ways. Now, they were saying it might be akin to Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton when they were trying to do those special effects in the ring. And I was like, that was god awful. So, no. Then we went on over and then we saw that this had the element of stage storytelling off the mats where you could do it. And the fact that they expanded it to something that was within the realm of the Bray character and then at the same point necessitated like, oh, that does make sense that Cena was there. And the beautiful element of the storytelling is Cena seeming like he's going to bury Bray. That was the, the headline leading into it was him being like, he's burying him. And it's like, well, his phrasing is, we're going to put an end to the most overrated superstar of all time. And it being his own demise made you go, Mwah. The minute, the minute he had him in the Sister Abigail and you heard that play, how they, they dubbed it over, it just, it was like that light bulb. You went, oh, and not, it didn't make sense in the wrestling, yep. but it made sense for that six years for the story that they've been trying. And they really, it was one of the first times I've ever seen them right the wrongs that they did with that whole chair spot. They're like, come on, do what you should have done four years ago. That was above and beyond the WWF ever doing like whoever talked Vince into letting his guard down like that. I don't know if it was fucking Cena being in Hollywood so much. I don't know if Triple H, I don't know if they had an intervention with him. Or some kind of shit, or they microdosed them with some fucking firefight fucking mushrooms or some shit. But for that whole tongue in cheek thing, to for to let them do that, it, that's what that's why I say it's one of the best things I've ever fucking seen in my life because it was still wrestling, had all the elements of the story, but it was such a breach of what we've seen before. But it all made fucking sense, and it was a fucking trip. Here's like the, how many people are like, Did... the element to me that was the payoff was. We haven't been here before. Not like this. Mm -mm. You know, if you could say there's the, you know, delete was similar to Boneyard, this was its own thing. This had its own vibe. This had its own, like, I think the thing that made it for me was there was an element of, I don't know where this is going anymore. Like, and how often do you feel like that? How often do you feel like, oh, man, this is unexpected? And by the time when they finally get to a payoffs, like John Cena turning heel and being with the NWO, and you're like, oh, my God, this has now gone out of the realm of where I thought it could go. And now they're playing on a whole new level. Like, to me, this was your back against the wall creatively. you got to give out a product. That's it. That, to me, was okay. That's amazing. But could they do that with like now you hear a bunch of slew of wrestlers like, oh, I want to do a firefight thing. <laughs> right. Would it, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same, right? Like we all know, okay. Well now that we're oh, gonna start the big show it. that he's the giant and fucking And it was also the first time they utilized the funhouse the way they 
they should have. Like, they've yeah. never had another wrestler on in it, per right. se. Right, right, right. But then, but then when it's... Because I don't go watch a lot of match, go back and watch a lot of matches for to try to figure them out. I go to see the spots and to see just the flow of it and the crowd reaction. But to go and be like, oh my God, the darkness means that was the beginning of John Cena's career. The empty room, and then that was the beginning. And then it just, for every fucking little subtle SmackDown fist and every little Bischoff, they just told the story in connotation of that that era that it made sense with little motifs and shit like what yeah. is this fucking on the waterfront like what do we this isn't brand this isn't brando but cena was like no i'm a, i'm an actor now so this is how hollywood works and it was it was it was the most brilliant thing i've ever seen i'm almost mad that we can't do that again per se it will never feel the same way again like it felt here so in okay. in essence you really can't do it again but they will you know they'll bring it back at so, some point. So let me hit you with the with the thing that's been bothering me the whole time is, so that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. If we would have had a live WrestleMania, if this if this virus does not happen, I don't think we don't get that right. We get Bray and Cena in the ring, right? Mm, I don't know. I mean, probably that's that seems like the biggest payoff. Like, why would okay. you not have your biggest superstar in the ring? So I'm having a hard time as a human being, like being for the coronavirus because of that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Without the virus, we don't get Boneyard or I think it would have been worse to have AJ and Undertaker in the ring, even though I think that if they would have had that in a ring, I really think it would have turned out to be Undertaker and Aleister Black against uh, the OC collectively. So they could yeah, possibly. Nancy. I mean, the good news they, is nobody was happier that they got to do this than probably AJ Styles. He's like, thank you. I would yeah, have had finally. Run fucking circles around this ring just to make it work. And don't get me wrong, a match against The Undertaker does wonders for a career. And not to mean that he doesn't have a good career, but it's like that's a good pinnacle to have. That's a good feather in your cap no matter who you are. So I don't know, man. I would tell you this again. I think you sometimes have to broach outside the window if you have all these blocks. And I think that's why we see all these people who normally weren't into wrestling for the past few years re-engaged because it spoke to two different sets. I was like, yo, if I'm a parent watching that whole Boneyard match, we're on the edge of like, I don't know that I want my kids to watch this. And that's usually what the product is for. But that was a nice throw to us. Cool. Same thing with Firefly. It's yeah, like, but you almost have to. But you almost have to have that sprinkle of taboo to it. Yeah, of course. Like of course. you were, like there's that's why my whole takeaway. Like lately, there's nothing scary anymore. Like nothing. There's no scary. That's why this whole Bray Wyatt hot topic gimmick didn't work until now. Like you didn't see the fiend until the very very end. It was almost like signs. Like the psychological torture. Yeah. Was scarier than the whole. Ooh, there's a monster. Which Undertaker displayed, like, with his teleportation skills. You know what I mean? There's nothing more than you want a fucking Hell's Angel that could teleport fucking when you're in a gang fight. That would be the worst, <laughs> would be the worst shit definitely, ever. Definitely would have made the Stones Give Me Shelter documentary very different. Being like, what the f- what, where, where did they come from? And how are they more? Are they X-Men now at this point? So... Let's let's round bases on this because uh, the last two. This is very interesting on Wikipedia that they put these together. They put Drew McIntyre versus uh, Brock Lesnar, and then right underneath it, they put Drew versus Big Show as the undercard 
uh, like a dark match, which is very interesting because oh, that's no. the next game. So that's a very interesting. Oh uh, no, they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So did you get to celebrate twice then? Like on the that was the saddest moment of my life. I think. What's that? Watching it. Watch. Well, going to. I'll say. I'll save it for the because it's at the end of the match. So. You got to transition from. There's not the much fire to say pl- about the actual match other than they do mash buttons for as long as possible. Been, mah, mah, mah. And it's the same thing. People were mad that it felt the same like Goldberg's match with Brock's match. They just were big guys doing big things. It was the exact fucking same thing. It was just their moves. No, the. No. Because um, Drew McIntyre kicked out of the F5 on a one count. And that was just like for a smart mark that just was like mind blowing. Like, I wish he would have just kept on kicking out at one. Yeah. There was a match in PWG where Chris Hero was fighting Jack Evans. And Jack Evans is obviously a lot smaller. And he kept on one counting him. It was the funniest thing (laughs) I've ever fucking seen. But, uh, man, I I really feel bad for Drew a lot. Like, that was his... His moment. You can look at it one, two ways. You can feel bad for him because he didn't get the crowd love and the the moment that he has. But you could also look at it too, like that's the most unique title win in history, and it's him for him. And he had the little. I felt like I was a part of his life when he looked into the camera and he told me, "Thank you, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you, Mikey. This is for you, Mikey." <laughs> like I had, you know, like in a movie where the is the TV fucking talking to me, like I. <laughs> That was like in Fight Club. Like I looked in his eyes and I saw the universe. (laughs) I saw the universe. (laughs) Well, I would say this. I didn't mind that this is how he won it because it means they gave him the nod. So, you know, dude, you got what you got and good for you. I will say this. We got a couple questions and uh, they kind of take us outside of WrestleMania. So do you have any final thoughts about WrestleMania? I liked it. I'm dude. Okay, take away the fucking show. There's nothing. We don't have anything. For them to give us something for two nights to take us away and let us still be in that world, whether we're going to gripe about the crowd or whether we're hockey, but it was nice that AEW and WWE, even though they're going against the grain a little bit, are giving us what we fucking love. Because I'll tell you this much. I already forgot about baseball, and I don't know if I give a fuck about baseball right now because it's... I need it. I need it tapped in. And if it's not tapped in, I'm moving on. Yep. And you know, normally, normally superstars, when you forget a certain wrestler, they're worried about that. But as the business as a whole, like fucking kudos to them for fucking giving us anything. Yep. Now, if you want a smart market and stuff, it wasn't the best thing, but it was going to be the most unique thing that we've ever fucking seen. I mean, I don't remember what WrestleMania 33's undercard was like at all, at all. And it was probably pretty fucking cool. Like, I think that was a Kurt Angle and Ronda match, wasn't it? It's all sad and fucking that's when they did the... It's a very unique thing. And I I, I would give it, if I graded it, I would give it probably a B, B plus. Okay. Just, for what, just for what it was. Yeah, just for what it was. I can't, it can't be an act. Oh, fucking, the match could have been... The whole fact that they put the belt on Braun. Like, I was like, yeah. is he going to win right now? Like, that was okay. <laughs> okay. But the execution, nah, fucking... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I'm not playing Tony Hawk fucking Skater Five for fucking because I haven't played it before. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. I like the aesthetic of it. I'll I tell you this much: music. you know, we've we've had to say goodbye to the sports in general, and I 
thought it was nice to have some entertainment that they produced. Um, I still feel it's weird logistically to be putting these things together, but if I'm going to compare this to say the UFC, which seemed to be like the last two stalwarts to keep producing live events, I just felt like at least with the WWE and they don't really say what they were doing, but you get the perception that they would take those safety precautions. Whereas the UFC, when they're going to take a left turn from fuck Island and make fight Island happen. And Dana White, when they're asked like what security measures are going to take, he's like, don't fucking ask about it. You don't need to fucking know you're on a need to know basis. Whereas the WWE is being like, we are taking every precaution to make sure we actually had one person. And by the way, the person who did test, according to the report that I read, was somebody who went out to work with people in the healthcare industry at the moment. So, you know, no I, matter how, what strength sanitizer they have, or I, like, I, <laughs> bro, I get it. It's a weird time for everybody. And I don't want to tell you how to run your life and do what you do. But here we are. Um, so I would say this. I would say I'm glad that we got something. It's a little questionable to do uh, events when they've tested, I think, not just one or two, but the a couple people that they're now having to talk about. But you know, I guess we're going to take it every day as we can because we're going to have to get back to something soon. And I understand. Uh, Are we? I don't know what we're getting back to exactly, but we'll, there's going to be something that's going to happen because here's the thing. Texas is already chomping at the bit to be like, I don't care about your grandma. I hope she dies. And also she would sacrifice herself to go ahead and do this. I just know pew, 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 pew. Like that's a cowboy. Their, yeah, exactly. And we're going to have those idiots potentially make this drag on for longer. So, you know, I, I am optimistic at some point, but I think that as you mentioned, certain things like handshakes and all that, that that'll be different as we go on. I do want to start circling the bases. So let's go ahead and start asking these questions that we got put in here. The first question that we got is from Zach Aman, who writes, is Rhonda a mark for herself? No, she's just she's just a wrestler. She's a wrestling fan. She's a wrestler. She doesn't mark for herself. She's playing the character accordingly. She's staying relevant in that world. To, she's creating a buzz, isn't she? She's creating more of a buzz than any girl that's contracted by the WWE. Now, sorry, girl, woman. So um, now other people can piggyback off that. That'll let Naya say the things you know it's like point counterpoint you need that first point to get the ball rolling and she's doing a brilliant job of that and yeah there's got to be a little she's a little she's a mark for that kind of fame i mean think about being the fucking top anything in the world and then have that you have to go to real life you're gonna want just like edge just like the people that come back you're gonna want that at some point but she's doing a fine line of uh of doing a little here, but still doing the Rhonda, the pregnancy, the prego vacation, whatever she called that shit, the baby vacation. Then, but staying relevant enough to where like, is she coming back? Are they going to start a ball for all with girls now? Because she <laughs> wants to see this bitch get knocked out. Like, cause she's running her mouth, which kind of seems like the timing is there. Maybe she's that smart and jumped. No, she's so yeah, she's a mark for herself, but not in a, a conceited way. I don't know if that makes any sense. Kind of. I'll just say this. I think that Ron has uh, been so famous for so long and had so many haters come along the ride that she probably just says, I might as well embrace it at this point. Like if right. they hate it, 
then they should, you know, they're buying the ticket. They're watching me. And if I can, as you mentioned, cast the biggest net for people to then come in, then if they're going to respond to it and they are in the industry, so be it. But at the least, yeah, she did her job. people are interested. And I would say that it's kind of interesting because unlike Brock, who's arguably one of the biggest attractions we have, she can do it for herself. Brock usually has to have the mouthpieces do it for him. They usually have to have the commentary team build him up. And then his presence, once he's in the ring, sells everything else. I think it's the element that she can suggest it on social media, take it outside that, that scope, and give the WWE, which has a giant social media presence, an even bigger element to cast you in. The element that surprises me continuously from both UFC to this is how invested people are to want to hate her. And to me, I just look at that and I go, okay, cool. Have fun. Have a baby in you yours. You need that. Yeah. Like, you need that. What's the name of this? What's the name of our fucking podcast? It's because we understand the levity of the, of the bad guy. That's the, that's what, that's the fire. That's the fire starter right there. Yeah. You need to have that kind of, you need to gain some kind of leverage on them in the long run. You know what I mean? And then just, I don't think, just think about this one last thing that I want to bring up, which is on her social media, on her Instagram, after she did that, you know what the next post was after she put up her, like, you know, uh, pro wrestling is actually like this and you guys uh, better know that, uh, like that. She put up a, a thing of her wrestling, one of those wrestling buddies of Hulk Hogan and like her beating it up and dropping an elbow on it on her bed. And if you don't see the connection between those two, then maybe you are a mark. Because to me, I'm not spending time being like, you fucking bitch, you're a fucking bitch, and I hope you fucking know that. And where do you get off? Maybe you should be grateful that these fans are here. And I, I love watching how much time people pour into that, because all I can think about is, oh my god, how did you have that much time to write that? Like, she might be the new, she might be the new CM Punk. Yeah. That's what's, when you asked me about Becky, that's what's missing from Becky. That's mm -hmm. exactly, that's what she had, she had a a small sprinkle of that within the first, when she got her nose broken, she be, it, it became real. Yeah. And then it just kind of went back to the machine. And now Rhonda's like, no, 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 no. This is how you do it. I don't need to be there the whole time and watch me get the buzz going that you can't do. And of course they're going to be like, no, fuck that. What right. do you, what? I, but which they need it. They, they need it. So yes, but it's, she's, uh, there's good marks and there's bad marks. Chris Rock did a joke about it. <laughs> So now <laughs> we've got the last question here, which is from Daniel Placeo, and it says, can Bailey wear well, Danny jeans boy. all of the time? Does what? Can Bailey wear jeans all the time? Danny, Danny. So I went to grade school with Danny. Shout out to the Notre Dame Saints. I met him in second grade. I've been saying that Bailey has ass for the longest Dude, she is bae. She has been on. They put her in those pants and they covered her up. She's had the, I don't know if this is this kind of podcast. It's not even after dark. And it's fucking Easter, Danny. How dare you? We went to a Catholic school. And this is what you're thinking. Maybe you gave that well, up for Well, hold on. He has risen know. indeed. So they didn't specify. Ooh, she, <laughs> what? Because of Bailey's jeans. Did Bailey wore some jeans on and fucking Jesus rises. Hey, coincidence? Bro, I'm just, I'm just saying, bro. <laughs> just, you know, it wasn't looking good this yeah. year. Danny, the answer is yes. The answer is always and forever. God, 
God forbid they put her in a pair of booty shorts or anything Alexa Bliss with. I don't know if that would work. Nah. Yeah. Plus, like, <laughs> even right now, like, her evil Karen haircut is, like, always making me laugh right now. Because I'm thinking, like, yeah, this is all character work. Good for her. She can do these things. Because to me, she looks like she's supposed to be on an episode of uh, the, whatchamacallit show. What is it? Broad City. It looks like she's supposed to be on an episode of Broad wow. City every time I see her. Wow, she's like what she, she's what you get if you combine the two of them together. She <laughs> exactly. she is Abby and Lana together. Yep. That is fucking yep. great. Good for you, Ram. Thank you, thank you. I, no, she doesn't like that. She doesn't like that haircut. No, there's no way she can like that. But it's character work, and I I I can appreciate it. It's fine. Um, Let's let's start to round second and third and head on home on this one because I want to tell you guys we have an exciting little limited series that we're going to be doing out uh, very quickly. Uh, we'll actually be recording one of them now, um, but what we are going to do is we saw that the WWE put up the greatest 10 matches of the 2010s, which by the way... 10, 10. Ten, ten, ten. Remember that? Remember? You remember? So, <laughs> what we're doing is we're watching all of those. But it's so funny to me that this is uh, how it all looks around. And the way it's going to happen is, is we're going to put a stopwatch. You can watch with us. It's going to be on the WWE Network. Uh, we're going to invite you guys to come along. We hope that you will. We think you will because you got nothing else to go on anyway right now. So uh we'll be producing some of those uh, for you guys to watch hopefully you will hang out with us but the first match that we will be watching will come out later this week and it is who mike it is uh kofi kingston versus the new daniel bryan from wrestlemania 35 that seemed like fucking a decade ago which is uh interesting it, there's a lot of levels to it i know it just seems like it's uh Kofi story, but with everything that's been going on, there's there's some different ways to look at it, which I kind of went through, which I'm kind of excited to kind of dive into. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but it was it was an interesting it was an interesting rewatch. There's a lot there's a lot going on there. So yeah, I'm excited I'm excited to do that. I think we're gonna go from I don't know if we should really talk about if that's how we feel our top ten goes or if we should just go with it, but there's definitely gonna be some pointing counterpoints with this fucking list i mean again for sure the idea is we know that you guys are hungry for content we're hungry to make some content for you we're hoping that you guys are staying safe um that you're not doing anything too stupid the social oh. distancing etc etc uh yes thank you very much thank you mike i you know i don't think for a split second it looked like that was your like <laughs> character that you were workshopping at the performance center you're just kind of like, I don't know, man. He like wears a mask on his eyes, man, so that he can't but see. Fucking, but he's his name is Blair Devil. What do you think? No. Okay, cool. Do you think there's any two K two K characters with a mask on at this point? Depends. <laughs> I think if they do that extension, it'll it'll do Buku numbers uh, based on offer for this. Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us here. Um, again, we've got more content coming out soon. We're going to rush right now to go ahead and do that recap of that. That will be out later this week. But we hope that you enjoyed WrestleMania. Again, be safe. Be smart. Thanks for listening to us here at Heel Section. My name is Rafa Sparza. This is Mike Stallings. Have a great rest of your day. Too sweet, me.